Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Tuesday, May 17th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. I normally do podcasts Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and occasionally, because I'm human and I don't have a staff, I miss a podcast. I have to not do one for one reason or another. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's a prior commitment. I try very hard to get them on every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Yesterday was an exception. Yesterday's podcast didn't happen because I just couldn't talk about the nonsense anymore. I had to just step back and say, you know, the news is so repetitive and the positions are so well known on both sides and the game is the same game over and over in a variety of forms and at a different level of play. But nonetheless, it's the same game and it gets old. And it gets old particularly because the people who are, I want to say, suffering from the game, the people who are in the stands watching and have no control over what's happening on the field are you and me. We're the everyday citizen, the non-governmental, non-tech, non financial world person who's having to go to the gas pump at what today is, I don't know, I left Waco, Texas today to go to Austin on business. It was $4.09 a gallon when I left Waco. It was $4.19 when I returned from Waco. I saw almond butter today in Whole Foods in Austin for $25.99. I saw organic raw almond butter that the last time I bought it was $6.99. It gets old. It gets really old. And the politics of it all gets really old. Today, I felt that particularly when I was listening to the president who went to Buffalo for purely political reasons. And it caused me to go back and think how in 2000 and 2001, I was on land-based radio. I was on terrestrial radio out of Chester County, Pennsylvania. I was on WCOJ, and I had a show called Higher Ground, a radio talk show. And on 9-11, as we were all recovering from the terrorist attack in New York, every night that I went on air, before I ended my show, and I had a one-hour show, I read the names. I read Todd Beamer. I read the captain, the first officer, and the stewardesses who were on that flight. Todd Beamer, we know, was the passenger who organized the attempt to break into the cockpit and who eventually caused the takedown of that airplane at the sacrifice of all of the innocent people who were on it. I didn't read the names of the terrorists. I didn't read the names of those who had funded the terrorists or who had backed the terrorists or who had facilitated their entry into the United States. I read Todd Beamer, Jason Dahl, the captain, 
First Officer Leroy Homer, and the five stewardesses, Lorraine Bay, Sandy Waugh Bradshaw, Wanda Anita Green, C.C. Ross Lyles, and Deborah Jacobs Welsh. I read those names at the end of every show until I went off the air early 2002 when I switched uh, stations. Because my focus, I believe, was on what mattered. And what mattered wasn't the terrorists. What mattered, even beyond the bravery of those who were on the flight, what mattered were the innocents who were on the flight. And the same thing happens with the news media, except for a few who have now committed to not naming or showing the face of the terrorists who pull off or the mass murderers who pull off like what just happened in Buffalo or happened in California to the Asian church to the uh, Taiwanese community by the Chinese individual who broke in, barred the doors shut so those inside couldn't get out and attempted to kill the entire population that was attending that service because there were 40 some people there and he had Molotov cocktails in addition to having the the guns that he had. So he was going to burn the place down. I don't name these people. I don't give them any notoriety. Number one, because they want it. And number two, because I don't want to encourage anybody else who might be as unstable mentally as these people are. But what really bothers me about it all is that so much of the media still gives these people the attention they crave. And worse than that, that they use it for political gain. They use it to advance an ideology. You know, I listened to the president and I listened to some excerpts of what he said today in Buffalo, and it's infuriating, quite honestly. And the reason is he talked a lot about replacement theory, I think it's called. And it's important that I talk about this a little bit because I never heard the phrase until this week. I've never heard replacement theory until this week. Now, here's why that's important. I am fundamentally a conservative. And while I listen to a variety of sources to get my news and to get information and subject matters to share with you on my podcasts, I am primarily a conservative. And so I listen to a lot of conservative news outlets, both reading them online and listening to them on podcasts and radio. I have never heard the words replacement theory out of a conservative podcaster radio host or author or blogger. Never. And that's pretty astonishing because I'm out there every day reading all this stuff and listening to all this stuff. However, this week I have heard it. I've lost count of how many times and it's by the mainstream media and the White House. That's where I'm hearing it from. Now, maybe it's out there and maybe it's an extreme viewpoint. Maybe it's one of these crazy viewpoints, just like all the way on the left Marxism is or all the way on the right white supremacists are, but they're, they're small groups, not saying Marxists are small groups. I guess on the left, it was more like BLM or Antifa. But my point is it wasn't a mainstream concept. But all of a sudden, this week it is. So there's two things I want to say about replacement theory. Number one, it alleges to hold the premise that white people in this country are frightened that immigrants 
are going to by, I don't know, 2030, or I don't even know what year, they're going to be the majority population. And so replacement theory is supposedly gathering followers or adherents to oppose people of other ethnicities who are entering the country. So it's racist against, I guess, Hispanics and other dark-skinned people, perhaps, coming into the country from the Middle East or from South America or Central America. The president today went to Buffalo where a nutcase, a very sick 18-year-old, created all that carnage in that grocery store. But he did it because he hated black people. He went there to kill black people. His manifesto that's like 123 pages or whatever that they have, and I've read excerpts of that too, he mostly hated black people and Jews. And he hated conservatives. He called out Fox News. He hated conservatives. He hates capitalism. So the president went to the site of where a tragedy took place because some crazy 18-year-old who hates blacks and Jews and conservatives killed, I think, eight black and two white people in that market and injured others. But replacement theory has nothing to do with it because he didn't deliberately go to kill Hispanics. He deliberately went to kill blacks. And replacement theory allegedly is all about people coming over our southern border and people coming from Central South America and, and Middle Eastern countries. So I can only conclude the president went there for a political agenda. And I was trying to think, what could that be? Where, where is this replacement theory suddenly front and center? And it dawned on me what it is. I started to think about how the president in recent weeks has, has used this new term, ultra-MAGA, ultra-MAGA people. He's talking about Trump supporters, but he's trying to make the case that we're all extremists. And when I say we, not that I'm necessarily a Trump supporter, I don't want to in any way indicate who I do support at the moment in this podcast. My point is that anyone who is conservative and perhaps had voted for Trump, which was half the country, are ultra MAGA. And they're using MAGA because MAGA was his phrase, right? Make America great again. It was on all the caps. It's what he always says. So I connected the ultra MAGA thing with the fact that the president just instructed his staff to get into election mode, pre-election mode. So he's running again in 2024. Okay, so he comes out with ultra MAGA, which we now find out that for six months they've been doing testing on what a good phrase would be to take out Trump and his followers, and they decided that MAGA was it. So six months of polling and testing went into it before he even used the word MAGA, and supposedly he added the ultra to it. That was his flair, whatever. I connected that with, that showed up a couple weeks ago. Now what shows up is replacement theory, and I realized why. They are trying to counter critical race theory. They are trying to counter all of the awareness that the conservative movement in this country has raised against the danger of critical race theory. Because critical race theory itself is racist. It's just racist against whites instead of what the original complaint was, which is racism against blacks. 
And I'm not saying we don't have racism in this country. I just constantly say we're not systemically racist and we've done away with a lot of it. And there are still racists, but you know, Jesus said the poor will always be among you. It's very possible the racists will always be among us. Human nature can be ugly and people always have excuses and justifications for biases and hatred, which of course I always go back to, there's only two emotions, love and fear. And every negative emotion is a derivative of fear. And it's easy for me to see why people become racist because they fear what's different from them. And the easiest thing to hate, the easiest thing to do with your fear is to project it onto something other than you, something different than you. And the reason is, is because you don't know it. It's not familiar to you. And therefore you're afraid of it. Racism is actually quite cowardly. It's the act of a very frightened person, as is religious bias. It's a very insecure, weak person who has a need to project fear onto another by way of using negative emotions like hate or jealousy or envy or resentment. But I digress. Just make the connection I just made. Go from ultra MAGA to campaign mode to replacement theory. It's a strategy. It's a political strategy now being used by the president and the Democrats to try to somehow survive the midterms because they know they're about to get trounced because of the economy, because of Afghanistan and what happened, because of what's happening with Ukraine, because of the southern border, because of fentanyl, because of everything they've done to the financial system. I mean, you name it, they know they're on the hook for it and voters have a place to express their anger in November of 2022. So they needed to quickly do something to try to salvage whatever they have left in terms of office holding. The president won't be at risk, the presidency in 22, but a lame duck president could be at risk if both the House and the Senate are taken by the Republicans, who are no angels, I always say. They come with their own bag of problems, but there is no doubt the president administration is incompetent. And it's incompetent for a multitude of reasons, none of which I'm going to go into in today's podcast. What I want to say about all this is politics is a game. It's a game of power. That's all it is. And again, the spectators are you and me. And we don't have very much say about what's going on on the field because A, we didn't draw up the rules. B, we're not even referees. We're just spectators, but we're also when we're not thinking for ourselves and we don't think that we have a right to be active or stand up and yell in the stadium, stand up at our seats and express our disdain for what's happening, we are not only spectators, we allow ourselves to become victims. You know, even in a ball game, when an ump makes a bad call, you know, 20, 30,000 people have no problem standing up and yelling. They know darn well and booing and don't think that that doesn't have an effect on the game. It does. They paid for their tickets. They want to see good baseball, good football, good hockey, whatever it is. They don't want to see biases and bad calls. Well, that's what we're doing right now. 
We're seeing a lot of underhanded play by the players. We're seeing a lot of dirty play by the players. We're seeing a lot of bad calls by the referees, and I'm going to call that the district attorneys across the country. I'm going to call that the lower courts that are letting these criminals out without bail, that aren't arresting the illegals. And we're standing or we're sitting in the stands observing. We can't afford to sit and observe. We have to stand up and yell. I am not an advocate for violence. I don't know where I would stand had I lived at the time of the Civil War, but I can tell you now, I'm not an advocate for violence. But I am an advocate for being heard when something is clearly not being played by the rules and not being played fairly. You know, I will give you the smallest of small examples of something that happened to me just yesterday. My windshield was cracked. I I had to drive into Austin again a few days ago. And coming back, a pebble hit my windshield on the highway and made a chip and the chip shattered and I needed a new windshield. Went through my insurance company. I have a deductible. Okay. Insurance company put me on to the local glass company that they use, Safelight all around the country, I think. They have franchises. Each one probably run a little differently, but under the rules of Safe Light, right? Under the, the franchise um, documents. So I took the car over, and when I dropped it off, a neighbor followed me to give me a lift. The two men working at the facility said, you want us to replace your windshield wipers when we replace your windshield? Because after all, glass can get on the wiper, and it could have, you know, uh, fragments, and it could ruin a brand new windshield, and that will void your warranty. So I said, okay, I mean, if that's the norm, okay. And I left, got my ride home. And when I, it bothered me the whole way home. I thought, you know, I wonder if that is relevant to me because the little chip, turned into a spider line, but there was no glass. There was no glass, like actual glass. Plus, I hadn't driven the car since the day it happened, so I hadn't used the wipers. There would be no reason for the wipers to have glass in them. So I came home and I made two calls. I called two Subaru dealers. I have a Subaru Outback. I called the dealer I get my vehicle from, and I called another dealer. Both service departments told me that they absolutely never heard of that and they've replaced thousands of windshields using local vendors. And they saw no reason why I should have to replace the windshield wipers. I was, I was angry and I said, you know, it's only, it's $29, but it's not the money. It's the principle. It was out of pocket. Insurance wasn't going to cover. So they were upselling me even though they were getting, you know, I was paying my deductible. I had a $500 deductible, but they wanted another $29 that day. I had my neighbor drive me back early. And when I got there, they said, oh, we got your car done early. We're almost done. I said, don't replace the windshield wipers. They said, oh, we already did. I said, okay, put mine back. And they did, or they didn't. I don't know, but they didn't charge me $29. Because I said to them, I called two Subaru dealers and both encouraged me that there was no reason to change the windshield wipers. I let them know that I knew what they had done and that they had tried to upsell me and that they weren't going to get away with it. So I don't know which windshield wipers I have, but what I do know is I didn't pay anything. It's a tiny example But it's important because every day you're seeing things in your everyday life 
that are absolutely not okay. People are taking advantage. People are doing things they shouldn't be doing. And I have always said, we get leaders who reflect who we are. We can't separate ourselves from the people who lead us because they've risen to the top because we've allowed them to. And we've allowed them to because things work well for us along the way. And in some way, we're living similarly to the way they're living, only we're living it at a much smaller scale. So we don't want to point a finger and we don't want to stop what they're doing because in some way it serves us. There is a spiritual principle that says whatever bothers you about someone else, you own it. Because if you didn't have it, you wouldn't be able to see it. Psychology and psychiatry call it projection. I just call it human nature to not want to take personal responsibility. And this show, if it's about nothing else, my life, if it's about nothing else, is about thinking for yourself and taking personal responsibility. I am personally responsible for not being here yesterday when I told you I would, but it is Tuesday. I'm back and I'll be back again tomorrow, Wednesday as regularly scheduled. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. You've been listening to Think for Yourself. And until we're together again, please do think and act for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.